live in just a moment. We're delighted to have you with us. We welcome our guests that we have with us today. Two weeks from today is Christmas. Are you ready? Most of us would say, I've got so much I still have to do. I've done my shopping, there's cookies I need to make, the house isn't decorated, so much to do. And I had several people lately ask me, what am I going to preach on this morning? And I showed them this title, So Much to Do and So Little Time. And I did not have one person say, I have no idea what you're talking about. We all are there. There is so much to do and there's so little time. And all around us, we're reminded of this pressing subject of time. We wake up at a certain time. There are clocks on the wall, clocks on the microwave, watches on our wrists, clocks in our cars, all reminders that there's so much to do and so little time. The school bus comes at a certain time. There's a time to be at work. There's a doctor's appointment at a specific time. There is a set time that worship begins. The old pop singer Jim Croce once sang, if I could put time in a bottle, well, you can't do that. And so we talk about where did the time go and running out of time and time flies and there simply isn't enough time. And so I thought this morning we would visit Ephesians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul brings up this wonderful little subject about time. Time is an interesting commodity. Every one of us is given exactly the same amount every day. 24 hours, 144 minutes, and 86,400 seconds. Every single one of us gets the exact same amount. And what's interesting about this, when we think about the subject of time, and that is no one gets more. A rich person can't buy more. Someone cannot find more. Everyone gets the exact same amount. The newborn baby among us has the same amount of time in the day as the President of the United States. The busy executive and the lazy bum sitting on the park bench get the exact same amount every day. The star quarterback and the fan in the stands get the exact same time. The criminal and the cop who's chasing him gets the exact same amount of time. Study hall seems to run on forever and ever, but it's the same amount of time as sitting in a movie theater, as sitting in a sermon. Elon Musk is reported to be the richest man in the world. His worth is $184 billion. He owns his own car company. He just bought Twitter for $44 billion. He has so much money, he could buy every home that we live in, in this building. But you know what Musk cannot buy? More time. If he said, you know what, I've got a busy day Monday. My schedule is packed. I need just a couple more hours on Monday. With all his money, he cannot buy any more time. Another thing about time is you can't store it up. You can't say, you know, tomorrow's going to be kind of an easy day for me, so I'm going to pull out a couple hours and stick it toward the weekend because I've got more things I'm doing this week. You can't do that. Nor can you borrow it from somebody, nor can you lend it to somebody. It'd be wonderful if you could go up and say, hey, you know, can I borrow a little bit of time? We can borrow money. We can borrow clothes. We can borrow cars. We can borrow all kinds of things. But you cannot borrow time. And it is the same universally. 
You may cross time zones. You may fly to the other part of the planet. But it's still 24 hours in a day. And what's interesting is it is the same historically. Your grandma and grandpa still had 24 hours in a day. We've learned all kinds of things in recent times. We've learned through technology how to do things faster and better. But we cannot make more time. 24 hours a day is what Noah had in that ark. All the way back to the beginning page of your Bible, where God said there was evening, there was morning, one day. That has not changed. So every human being that's walked on this planet has had the same amount of time. Now, when we think about this from a biblical standpoint, the word time is found over 765 times in our Bible. And what's interesting about it, we read some passages such as Felix, who told the Apostle Paul that he was looking for a more convenient time. How many people want to do that? Or as the Apostle said about the, Jesus Christ, he came in the fullness of time. He came at the right time, in other words. The Hebrew writers were admonished because by this time, you ought to be teachers, they were told. We also remind ourselves of some other passages where Solomon would say, there's a time for everything under the sun. A time to be born, a time to die. And Paul would say in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, now is the acceptable time. If you've got your Bible now, turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Because in this, we want to read just a little bit what the Apostle Paul says about this subject. What's interesting in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15, the Apostle gives us a series of bullet points. Admonitions. How to get through the day successfully, spiritually. These simple little six things he tells us helps us in so many ways. Let's read it, and then we're going to point them out. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 15. Therefore, he says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's dispatient, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even our Father. Number one, be careful how you walk. What great advice. What can I do today that will help me with Jesus? Be careful how you walk. Follows this, he says, understand the will of the Lord. Now those two fit together. When I understand the will of the Lord, I'm careful how I walk. When I don't know the will of the Lord, I'm going to take the wrong path or the wrong steps. Be filled with the Spirit. The idea of being filled with God's knowledge, God's Word. He says to make melody in your hearts of the Lord. Be cheerful. You're a child of God. You're someone who's heaven bound. Be thankful, he tells us. And then in the midst of this, he says in verse 16, to make the most of your time. And what's interesting about this expression, he says, make the most of your time because the days are evil. The old King James Version would say, redeem the time. And that's not a proper word. Because when we think about redeem, we think about buying something back. You cannot buy back time. You cannot say, well, you know, last night I watched a dumb movie. I wasted two hours. I want those hours back. Can't do that. It's over. And so the idea here is making the most of our time. 
And we need to appreciate that there's three major threats to your time. The first threat is too many demands of your time. Our days are sometimes like a suitcase on vacation. They're just packed full, just stuffed. So many things we have to do. And at the end of the day, we're wiped out, we're stressed out, we're tired, we're frazzled, and we're ready to collapse in bed. And oftentimes, what it does to us is it makes us irritable. It makes us unhappy. It makes us living with a short fuse. We come to this place, and the song leader leads us in a song, Take Time to Be Holy. Well, I don't got any time. We sing a hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Well, I don't have an hour. I'll give you about three minutes. And we read in Psalms chapter 1 to meditate day and night upon the word of the Lord. And what we find out is if I did that, I'd fall asleep. Who has that kind of time? And so one of the demands that's a threat to us is just trying to do too much and not everything can be done. A survey of workers revealed that 51% would take a cut in pay if it meant that they could have more time for themselves. And again, that just kind of illustrates these things. Secondly, another threat to our time is too little appreciation for the preciousness of time. It's easy to take time for granted. I always have tomorrow. We kick that can down the road. We put off. We procrastinate. And we really don't know what time it is and how precious time is. In your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. As Jesus was dealing with the subject of greed, he talked here about the story of a farmer. And in Luke chapter 12, he tells the story of a farmer who is very productive, he says in verse 16. Saying in verse 17, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Verse 18 says, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years to come. See that? Many years to come. Take your ease, eat Drink and be married. Now verse 20 of Luke 12. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, not next week, not next year, not next month, tonight, he says, your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? Here is a man who did not know what time it was. Oh, he thought he knew what time it was, but he simply didn't know. The psalmist would say in Psalms 118 and verse 24, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We may not have tomorrow. We may not have two weeks from now. We may not have next year. The Lord gives us one day at a time. And again, when we don't appreciate that, we sometimes miss that. And so the Bible uses words such as your life is just a vapor that appears for a while and vanishes away. It's a shadow. It's a breath. And all that's to show how quickly time goes by. Moses, as he wrote Psalms chapter 90, said this. He says, so teach us to number our days. You know, when you go to old, old cemeteries, and I love old cemeteries, you see this guy's tombstone. And says he died at this, at this year, this many months, this many days. They would count the days. And that's what Moses is telling us. When you count the days, 
it makes you reflect a little bit differently. Moses in Psalms 90 talks about a man living to be 70 or 80 years old. That's 29,200 days. If you're 20 years old, that's how many days you've already used up. If you're 40, that's how many days you've used up. If you're 50, you start saying, man, I'm running out of time. And that's the point. And that's the point. To realize we can't keep kicking that can down the road. We can't keep putting things off and to realize how precious time is. The third thing that we need to realize is how oftentimes we waste time. And again, that is something that comes back to us. We waste time on things of little value by not being organized, by not having your priorities in the right order. It's interesting how many words we have that are connected to time. There's daytime, nighttime, local time, halftime, part-time, full-time, time out, overtime, solar time, atomic time, summertime, all the time, dinner time, daylight savings time, show time, downtime, pastime, old times. But the worst is to waste time. And when you waste time, it's not like we have this perpetual bank and I can always go back and pull out. That clock is ticking, as Moses wrote. And some days, the time runs out. Peter would say it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 3. He says, For the time already is past or sufficient for you to carry out the desires of the Gentiles. It's time to be serious about Jesus, is what he's saying. Time's up about these other things. And again, to remind ourselves how valuable these things are. So Paul's words here in Ephesians chapter 5, make the most of your time. We do that by understanding the value of time. It's interesting, there's two Greek words, at least, in our Bibles that are for time. First word is chronos, where we get the word chronology. It's about dates, it's about clocks, it's about hours, it's about seconds. That's not the word here. The word here is kairos. It's about opportunity. And so what the apostle is saying is make the most of your opportunities. Every day you have opportunities. And to say, well, you know what? I'm going to do this later on. I'm going to get through the holidays, and then I'm going to do these things. Paul's saying, make the most of your opportunities, your time, because the days are evil. What we remind ourselves is opportunities don't last long. If you're my age, and you say, you know what? I would never really talk to my friends in high school about Jesus. Well, I'm no longer here. Lama, I have no idea where they are. Opportunities are just a short time. Opportunities don't come looking for you. You've got to come looking for them. As we have opportunity, Galatians chapter 6 tells us, and then opportunities don't come at the convenient times. Man, I am busy. I can't do this now. But yes, you can. And so how is it that we make the most of our opportunities? Number one, we need to appreciate by being time conscious. Use your time to your advantage. This is a little poem somebody wrote. It's a takeoff of Psalms 23. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. 
They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bounds of frustration forever. What a sad, sad story that is, isn't it? But it's again to remind us how important it is to be conscious of these things. Take your Bible, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Acts. I want to look at two places here. Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to go over to Acts 13. Acts chapter 2, we read about these very, very first Christians. And then we want to read what it says in verse 46 and verse 47. Acts 2, 46, 47. The last two verses of Acts 2. Acts 2, 46. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and God was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Day by day. Don't you think they had kids they had to take care of? Don't you think they had pets? Don't you think they had a house? Don't you think they had a million other things just like you? And to say, well, you know what? I, I, I would love to do that. Can you imagine our shepherd saying, for the rest of this year, we're going to meet every single day in this church building in the evening. Every single day. I do. I can't do that. I'm too busy. Somehow, they did it, didn't they? They were time conscious. They realized, my house may not look like a magazine. They realize I may not get everything done that I want to get done. I may not make every Christmas cookie that I want to have on my list. I may not get everything I wanted to get done. But they realize what's most important, and that's Jesus. Now, we've got, we got to put a little stop here for a moment. I'm going to say this kindly. But when you leave this morning, I want you to turn around and look at our attendance board. Got a lot of folks coming Sunday morning. It's awesome. You look at that Sunday night number. You look at that Wednesday night number. Well, Brother South, I'm busy. Yes, so am I. So are these people. Well, Brother South, you know, I've I done Sunday morning. Well, what about Sunday night? What about Wednesday night? What about growing in Jesus? You see, the idea of making the most of your opportunity. Now turn with me to Acts 13. Acts 13. Becoming time conscious. Acts 13 talks about the resurrection of Jesus. All through this chapter is about the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 30, God raised him from the dead. Verse 33, he raised up Jesus. It says in verse 37, God raised. But when you look at verse 36, Acts 13, 36, for David... After he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. He served the purpose of God in his generation. Conscience. I'm leaving footprints. You're leaving footprints. Someday is going to be our time to leave this place. Why are people going to remember? David did that. Now, second thing we do this is by having and developing a heaven perspective. And this heaven perspective, again, helps us understand these things. In Luke chapter 10, turn there with me again, and we see two examples of this side by side in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, we find Jesus at the home of Mary and Martha. 
And it says in verse 39, verse 38, when they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who, moreover, was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to him and said, Lord, can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus is in your house? Right there would scare a lot of us. Oh, man. I wish I knew he was coming. I would have got out the good linen then all this stuff. Jesus comes to your house, and he's going to teach. And you're sitting down listening to Jesus. And Martha's back there stirring things up. And you know what bothers her is not that she has to serve. She'll do this later on, and the Lord says nothing. What bothers her is that I'm serving, and my sister's doing nothing. I'm bothered by someone else. And she is so bold, she comes and interrupts Jesus. I was preaching one time in a little, bit, little bitty country place. And I was just preaching way like I did. A little boy came out, came right up here. Well, I kept preaching, thinking his mom was going to come. He came right up to the steps. I looked at him. He looked at me. I kept preaching. He just stayed there. And I finally said, can I help you? He said, will you get me a glass of water? And I said, okay, somebody's got to preach. That's kind of what happened here. That's exactly what happened here. Jesus, stop teaching. Tell my sister to help me. And what we see here is this heavenly perspective. So she didn't have everything cooked the way it should have been. So it's not a meal that... Three months later, man, I remember the way Martha cooks. That doesn't matter. A bologna sandwich works. Cheese and crackers, as my grandma used to do, works. Especially if you put a little mustard on there. It's really good. And, and those kind of things, simple things. But she lost that. In Luke 10, also look with me, if you will, in verse 33. Luke 10 and verse 33. The story of the Good Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan who's on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. Oh, I'd love to help you, friend, but I'm on a journey. I'm in a hurry. I've got to catch a plane. I've got a schedule here. I've got to keep up with things. What did he do? He realized here is opportunity. I can do something for somebody. I don't even know who he is, but I could do something for him. And so when we think about this lesson, what Paul's driving at is the opportunity to encourage. And they don't just wait for you. Here's somebody, and maybe they're sad today. Well, I'll get to them after the holidays. Well, after the holidays, you've missed your moment. Here's a family that's going through a funeral. Well, I'll, I'll drop them a card, but I can't do it right now. Well, after a while, it's like, where have you been all this time? Opportunities to encourage because the days are evil. Opportunity to show Jesus. Let your light shine is what our Lord said. And so you do that because people need to see Jesus. They need to see kindness. They need to see somebody who's serious about the Lord. And then opportunity, as I mentioned a while ago, to worship God. What a grand opportunity this is. To spend time and to be with God. Psalms 46 verse 10 says it simply this way. It says, be still and know that I am the Lord. And so all of this reminds us in this busy, busy season we are in. 
there's opportunities all around us. One of the hymns we sing says, when the roll is called up yonder, and it begins with these words, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more. We don't understand that. From the moment we've walked on this planet, we've been governed by time. We're always managed by time. No more time to get done what needs to get done. No more time to help someone. No more time. The psalmist says simply this way in Psalm chapter 39. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days. Again, to realize God gives you so many days on this planet. You can use it for yourself. You can abuse it. You can live like you have forever. Or you can realize this is a blessing. And even today, what a blessing I have. And I'm going to seek in this room. I'm going to seek in my community. I'm going to seek among my friends. Somebody, somehow, I can make a difference. Make the most of your opportunity. So much to do and so little time. You know, my father died a couple years ago. And he was in his mid-90s. Of course, when somebody's in their mid-90s, you kind of run out of ideas to buy them gifts. I mean, he's got everything. And, and I'd call him up and say, Dad, Christmas is coming, or your birthday's coming, or Father's Day's coming up. What would you like? And for years and years, he said, I'd like another 25 years. And I said, you're going to be old. <laughs> you're going to be old, you know. But you realize it's, it's just like sand going through your fingers. And pretty soon, it's just gone. All the things I was going to do. And you get to a point in your life, you start realizing, you know, there's some things I'm not going to be able to do in my life. That's okay. But there's some things i got to do. I've got to tell some people how important it is to worship God. I've got to set an example for some people. Those are things that I cannot let slip through my fingers. Maybe I don't go to every place on my bucket list. Maybe I don't eat at every restaurant I wanted to eat at. Maybe I don't get to do all the things I thought is so important. What is really important is someday that sand has gone through my fingers. I'm called before the Lord. And what did you do with your time? I gave you 20 years. I gave you 45 years. I gave you 80 years. What did you do with your time? Now, there'll be some who say, well, Lord, I'm the richest man in the world. Lord, I own a car company. Lord, I've done this, and Lord, I've done this. That's not going to impress Jesus at all. What's going to impress Jesus is faith. I believed in you all my life. I trusted you. There were some dark days, but I never gave up on you. There are some places and times where I didn't know where you were leading me. There are some valleys I couldn't see the end, but you were there, and I believed in you. You know, I tried to tell my family. I tried to live the righteous life. I tried to let people at work know that I am a follower of Jesus. Those are the things that make the difference. And so in this busy season, I hope this lesson's helpful for you. I know my list is filled, but when I started writing this sermon, I said, okay, start crossing off things. Not all of this is so important. Not all of this is so essential. What is essential is having the right attitude with Jesus, having the right heart with Jesus, being right with Jesus. So if you're among us and never been baptized, you need to do that because God calls you to do that. And as we're going about this time, don't think, well, you know, after this, after this, there may not be any after this for you or that other person. 
Use your opportunities. and Use them wisely for what God wants you to do. If we can help you, why don't you come as we stand, as we sing.